Hi, and welcome to Steel Wheel Stories. With your host, Chris Jowett and Jake Somerville, where we talk about stories of collecting, restoring, and showing antique tractors and steam engines built before 1930. Join us while we and guests share stories about the hunt, tales of restoring, and memories of enjoying. Steel Wheel Stories is proudly sponsored by Engineers and Engines Magazine. A printed, full-color, bi-monthly magazine for all the steam, gas, tractor, railroad, locomotive, and farm machinery enthusiasts. Call or email Brenda Stamp for your subscription today. Email address brenda at engineersandengines.com or phone number 410-673-2414. Mention Steel Wheel Stories when purchasing and get your first magazine free. Hello, everyone, and welcome to official episode 10 of Steel Wheel Stories. With me is Jake Somerville, as usual. Uh, Jake, what are you doing tonight? Man, today has been a real long day, uh, and it's been everything to do with our freaking hobby. Been, we, I don't know, we spent uh, six or eight hours out at the showgrounds uh, getting ready for our show coming up here at the end of July. Uh, we were trimming, uh, trimming up around all the buildings and all the structures around the grounds and uh, finishing up a couple little projects that have been going on over the last year since the last show. And uh, This is the, I guess, kind of pull-out weekend, if you want to call it that. And we pull all the stuff out of the buildings, and uh, it's just a whole bunch of work. It was good. We had a whole bunch of people there and got a lot of help and uh, got a whole bunch of stuff done. Showgrounds looking real good now, but... Oh, it's just a lot of work. Getting, uh, nice, getting right down nice to the wire. Later. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, from really here on out. We got was it two more. I think there's two more weekends before the the show weekend. So over the next uh, next couple of weeks here, there'll be a whole bunch more time spent out there, and we'll start hauling stuff out and get uh, get ready to have a full blown get together out there. So we're looking forward to that. That was a lot of work. Oh yeah, and I'm sure it won't be the last of it by any means. It uh, takes a lot to put on your guys' show, and uh, you guys uh, have a pretty big following of people that come out to the showgrounds and help and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure that helps a ton, kind of equaling everything out. But it's still a lot of work, no matter what. Yeah, yeah, we had a had a pretty good turnout today too from the membership. So that's that's always nice to see a whole bunch of participation, which I know not every club gets that. And, you know, we have our moments in time too where we don't get a ton of participation. But I, today was a today was a really good turnout, so that was uh, that was nice. Sure, sure. Been working on anything over the past uh, week here or anything since the last podcast? You know, uh, leading up to episode nine, we had been doing a whole bunch, but since then, the last two weeks here, we haven't really done a ton of stuff. Uh, I guess I did do one little machine job for the 30 advance project. I got my uh, exhaust nozzle uh, machine that was brand new casting from oh, yeah. from Cattail and uh, got that machine there at home. And, um, I guess maybe the most exciting thing is I've I've actually gone out and started the 3060 Altman Taylor just kind of on a, on a whim uh, two or three times now in the last couple of weeks. Uh, my sister... If she's going to listen to this, I guess I haven't really talked about my sister much on here, but, uh, she, she's got a, a new boyfriend and brought him out and kind of showed him around the place. And 
oh, steam engine this, steam engine this, and then, oh, this thing's a little bit different. And uh, so took him up there, and I was like, well, you want to see if it'll start? And he goes, what do you mean? I'm like, well, just watch this. So <laughs> grab the, you grab were the primer the gas. And, there. <laughs> 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 grab the primer gas. Oh, yeah, that was the th- I'm like, yeah, this thing ain't going to start now. Every time so I do that, gas. every time I put a little pressure on my shelf, that's when something just completely goes wrong. And yeah. right there in front of everybody, I, I don't know why, you know, but it just – you know, nine times out of ten, if if you got somebody watching or an audience, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you're just off your game a little bit. You know, it's like yeah. if you if you normally put two little squirts of primer gas in the primer cups, maybe you put like I don't know, one and a half or two, yeah. or two and a half or something, and maybe you're you retard or you advance the timing just a little bit too much or something. <laughs> so, anyways, I got some primer gas in the thing and. Uh, advance the timing just a little bit and give it some throttle and uh, jump down and grab the crank and uh, give it the uh, first click there and nothing happened. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. But uh, fortunately there on the second compression, she banged right off and jumped up there and got her evened out. And man, when, when you're around someone and you're showing someone that hasn't been around this stuff, uh, when you're showing them these things and they've never seen it before, the look on their face is just fucking magnificent. Yeah, I love yeah. watching people's jaws drop, their eyes get really big, and it's like, I don't know, it's just it's super raw emotion of them. It's oh, like, sure. Holy cow, this is really cool. Especially if they have any kind of understanding of engines or tractors in general or whatever, then can kind of pick up. Okay, well that's the engine there, and this is how this works, and this is how that works, and compare it to what we deal with, you know, newer stuff today or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. So that was that was kind of neat. That was just here the other night that, uh, I don't know, we only ran it for five or ten minutes or something and shut it back off. But that was uh, that was fun yeah. watching the, the expressions there. That was fun. It's kind of funny you talk about starting it there. So we had the Altman there at Lathrop a few weeks ago. And, you know, it's we've had that tractor for several years now. You pretty much can expect – to do whatever you're going to do with the thing and it's going to react a certain way or whatever you know and so it's always kind of impressive you you get up there and you prime the thing up and you get ready to start it and i mean i mean i'm not going to sit here and stand on a soapbox but like 99 percent of the time it starts first compression you know it's just it's been that way (laughs) since we had justin click go through the heads and all that kind of stuff and all new valves and guides and all that stuff it's it was a little bit that way beforehand, but it's definitely been that way since then. And, you know, so it's kind of impressive. You you see these people kind of looking at you from a distance because it's not like you go up and make a big spectacle. Oh, yeah, I'm going to start this thing. No, I just go up. I'm like <laughs> one of my kids like, hey, let's go for a ride or whatever, you know. So yeah, go up yeah. there and prime the thing up. And, you know, normally it seems like some guys, you know, down there cranking forever or whatever. And, man, this thing, you just go up there and pull through first compression and it's running. And then everybody's like, oh, man, look at that, you know. And. But then there's that one time over the weekend that I knew the crankcase hadn't been drained of oil in a little while, and I could tell it was loading up a little bit, and I couldn't tell you the last time I had the plugs out to clean them or anything else, but I worked the tractor kind of the first day that it was there thinking, oh, that'll get the plugs cleaned out, and I won't have to worry about pulling them, and it was Saturday, the heat of the day, and went to start the thing, and I mean, normally, like like I said, if, if something doesn't happen on that first compression, like the worry sets over me. I'm like, Oh man, mm-hmm. what's going on? Yep. You know, yep. but 
then you're like, well, maybe it'll start on the second. Well, then it doesn't do it. And then it doesn't do it on third. And then it doesn't do it on the fourth. And then you're like, well, normally if it doesn't start after four compressions, you really got something going on. And there's really, I think some people kind of wear themselves out on the fact to just keep cranking on this thing. And I'm sure I won't be the only one to say that, like, if that thing don't start in the first, you know, four compressions, you got something. Pro- there ain't no sense of doing it anymore. You need to go figure out what's going on, you know. Yeah, so, I would agree. Here it was in the middle show, popping spark plugs <laughs> out, and sure shit, here they are all carboned up and everything else, you know, and I just had a new set there in the toolbox and threw them in there and primed the thing up and the thing fired right up, you know, but it'll happen. I mean, that's just the that's just the nature of the beast there. I mean, if you're going to play with the thing and going to have fun, you know, chances are at some point you're going to have some sort of little small issue and you're going to figure out what it is and you're going to keep going about your day and, and still have fun. You know, you can't let it ruin your day by any means, but you know, my dad, I guess, I don't know if it was my dad or my grandpa stressed upon me a long time ago with stuff like that, that, you know, you just take care of stuff and you know what's going on with it. And because it ain't no fun if the thing ain't started, it ain't no fun if you're sitting there cranking on the thing and one thing or another, and just, you know, get to know and understand what you're dealing with there. And, you know, you get along pretty good that way, you know, but man, that worry that sits over you when it doesn't do what you think it's going to do. It's like, Oh, it's the worst thing in the world. Some days it is, it is. And we went through a really big learning curve on, on ours. And thanks to you for helping get us to where we are now, but I'm, I'm definitely hearing what you're saying there with, if it's not doing something now, I kind of know that there's something really, really not right. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, I guess we could talk about. So I went up there on Memorial Day weekend, and uh, I had gotten a mag, and I do a little bit of magneto work uh, for myself and friends and stuff like that. Uh, don't do anything for hire just because I don't have time for it. Uh, but anyways, I had gotten a mag uh, Bosch DU4 and and fixed it up for for Jake and Kevin there and. You know, had the coil rewound and went through the thing and magnets all charged and just did one up like I would had on our tractor, you know, just so they have a good mag for it. That's not the original mag for it, but it's a a really good option that a lot of people seem to run on them. And so I got this mag and I got it all fixed up and I shipped it to him and helped him kind of go through timing the uh, engine and putting the mag on. They had Jake made a new coupling and, and adapter and stuff for it there and had it all mounted up there and they went to start the first thing and kind of had some trouble starting and they belt started it and kind of got going or i mean the hell the thing hadn't ran and i don't even know when i guess but 85 yeah so anyways so then like okay the thing runs so then i'm a stickler about this whole belt starting thing like it just drives me crazy he texts me like oh yeah we belt started i'm like don't call me i don't want to talk you know (laughs) But anyways, uh, so anyways, uh, I was going to go up there on Memorial Day weekend, and I think it was the week before that, uh, you had called me, and we were kind of walking through what you'd been doing, and kind of sorting out how much primer gas you'd been putting in, and kind of, you know, you got yep. the thing to pop a little bit here and there, and one thing and another, yep. and but still wasn't starting all that great, or, or at all, or whatever, other than hitting a couple times, so I, we... Went up Memorial Day weekend, and it was all the way till Sunday, I guess, before we ever hung around Kevin's there. And yep. it didn't take very long. We got there, and I was like, "Well, okay, let's just let's check the timing real quick and see where it's at," you know, because you know I'd set the timing on Dad's plenty of times and kind of knew where I liked it and where I felt things hand start better and one thing or another. And get up there, and I hear the mag click, and I'm like, "Well, that doesn't sound right. That's not clicking like it should click," you know. 
And he's like, well, it clicks. And I was like, well, yeah, it, it does click, but it should be a lot more positive than that. Like it was kind of just flopping over. You know, I was like, something's, something's happened there. The spring's come unwound or, or something. I don't know. So that was the first thing we did. We popped that thing off of there and the the front nut on the front of the impulse coupling had worked off for whatever reason. I don't know why. And uh, anyways, reround the thing, uh, loctite the front nut on it. And I don't know if it was the first, first, couple, first, yeah, yeah, I first couple first clicks compression. after that, you know, and <laughs> it just fired up and ran, you know, and Jake kind of looks at me and, and we pull the thing outside from, it was sitting inside at the time. And then I don't know, it was, the whole day it was like a, for me, it was kind of like a, a proven to Jake, this thing actually runs, you know, <laughs> he's like, you think it'll start again? And I was like, oh yeah, it'll start again. Well, do we need to let it cool down? I'm like, No. So we shut the thing off and, you know, waited just a little while because we were, I don't know, eating breakfast or having some coffee or whatever. And, you know, I don't know. We started the thing six or eight times that day or whatever, you know. And normally it would either start on first or second compression, you know. And it's a, it, 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 was, it was a lot of fun to sit there and see the looks on your guys' faces and everything else, you know. It was, uh, it was yep. a lot of fun that day. And you've had a lot of fun with it since then, too, which is great. Yeah, and it's uh, since then we've yeah we haven't really had an issue, but we talked <laughs> talked about having an audience. So after you left, uh, we had started another time and run it around, and then uh, like maybe a day later or something, a um, friend of ours come over and he hadn't seen it run. He'd been around it there, uh, Kevin's shop. I said, "Well, we, I need to go run it around, and put it in the barn." So I we'll start it up and we'll go for a ride quick, and then we'll put it in the barn. So. I don't know. This is probably like eight thirty at night or something. The sun was going down, and uh, so I get the thing all primed up, go through the sequence and everything, and go start it. And first compression, nope. Second, nope. Third, nope. Fourth, nope. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so we kind of messed around a little bit more there, and couldn't get, couldn't even get it to cough, you know. So uh, we threw in the towel for the night and. I think I called you the next day and uh, I was like, Hey man, this didn't, didn't do nothing last night. And, uh, ended up taking the plugs out and cleaned them up, threw them in and the rest of history is took, took right off in that first compression after that. So yeah, def- definitely still learning the ropes, but, uh, yeah, get an audience around and the thing will not start. That's a, that's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I assume you're going to take it to the Mason show and all that, aren't you? Yeah, that's the plan. We're uh, yeah, we're really actually looking forward to forward to that and getting it to do something. We've got uh, oh, we did all the clutch liners and the uh, belt pulley and the uh, for the drivetrain here this winter. So uh, we're hoping to get out in the field and plow with it, and maybe even go throw it on the on the dyno for a while and uh, get it limbered up a little bit more. Sure, sure. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. It'd be neat for you guys to have something else there besides steam and and all that kind of stuff and just something different for you guys and your family and all that. Very, very different, but it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, enough hearing us jibber jabber about our good times, I guess. Uh, tonight we have another guest with us. He comes all the way from Wisconsin and I hope that you guys enjoy listening to him. This is Clayton Hendrickson and welcome to the show, Clayton. Good morning, Vietnam! <laughs> I really amped you up for that one, didn't I? <laughs> How you fellas doing? Good. How about you? 
Oh, I'm fine as frog hairs, man. Just uh, enjoying some of the cool Wisconsin air on your back porch, from what I heard. Yeah, I got steam coming from the dry ground, but a nice cool night. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Please please tell me you've got an ice cold PBR in your hand. Even better. I got coffee and uh, scotch mixed in. Oh, yeah. That's all right, too. Just in time to go to second shift work, right? Well, yeah, within reason. I mean, <laughs> I mean, here you are work, too, but I just got back from a wedding this weekend, and I tell you what, Pabst hangovers are the absolute worst. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're heavy. They're heavy. Well, you wouldn't know, Jake, because you got that bush latte. Chris would know, though. Well, I've, I've mixed in my fair share of, of Peebers with you Wisconsinites. Well, maybe one or two doesn't really count, my man. You got to spend the whole night with them. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, was thinking. Up, I mean, if you're picking up a fat chick from the bar, you got to spend the whole night with her. <laughs> I, I was thinking Touché. the other day, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, man, I'm, I'm trying to remember back. Like, when was the first time that I ever met Clayton in person, you know? And I, at first I was thinking that it was at Wauseon, and then now that I was sitting here just getting ready to talk about it, I was like, oh, no, it was at Forest City that one year. That's when we met him, finally met you guys in person and all that kind of stuff, you know, outside of Facebook or whatever, which has been several years ago now. But I distinctly remember at, at Wauseon, you know, that's you're always pretty good about greeting with a cold PBR as soon as you've seen you, you know. And I was like, I'll never forget that. I could still see the look on your face. It is dark and pulling in and, and PBR in my hand. That's all there was to it. Oh, hell yeah. A, PB, a fellow PBR drinker never slips my mind. <laughs> Always thoughtful. Uh, well, you can't drink alone. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, being around this Mason bunch, there are a bunch of killed guys. They all got that bush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, comes with the territory. I remember when everyone in Michigan, uh, Waskion, would drink Pabst. Every one of them. Yeah, it must have been a couple of moons ago. You may you may not have been drinking age at that point, but yeah, things change with times. You know that's all there is to it, I guess. But some people don't change. That's all there is to it too. Nothing wrong with either. <laughs> so Clayton, tell us a uh, tell us uh, I guess tell us and the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, how you're involved in the hobby, and and all that stuff for the p- listeners that don't maybe personally know you. Well, I. I, per se, was practically bred and born into the hobby itself. Uh, Seems been in my blood since, I'm going to guess, around 1910 or 1911. I have a lot of ancestry uh, history with uh, steam power equipment. Um, I'm very, very active with the Rock River Threshery. That is uh, a Labor Day weekend show in Edgerton, Wisconsin. My family's been uh, caretakers of the actual grounds itself. See... The Rock River Threshery has its own grounds, about 100 acres, now 150 or so if you count the parking lot and all the fields that we own. So it was about 1995 that my parents uh, took it over, uh, mainly my dad, uh, Charlie Hendrickson. And uh, so I've been coming to the show and helping him out, like, all my life. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, like, uh, oh, I believe it was 2016 uh, that he decided to come out of the caretaking position because an opportunity came out for uh, his childhood home. And so I put my name in the hat, and it was voted upon on the board of directors on who would be the new caretaker. And 
uh, I, and I won. And so I'm going on my seventh year as a caretaker of the park. And uh, let alone that, I've been involved with the STEAM program in uh, a part at the Rock River Threshery since, yeah, I was able to walk. I made it to every show. Yeah, whether it was uh, on the STEAM train or our half-scale case or just riding around on all the other full-size engines, uh, yeah, it's always been a part of me. Sure, sure. Tell us a little bit about the show. When is the show? Labor Day weekend. So this year it's September uh, 1st through the 4th. It starts that Friday and then ends on that Monday, Labor Day, among many other shows, you know. Sure, sure. Yes, people make their Labor Day choices there and figure out where they want to go. And lots of times it seems like uh, some people don't really veer from their Labor Day plans. They always go to that show during Labor Day. And and luckily for me enough that I have attended a few shows during Labor Day. I haven't attended Rock River yet, but it uh, it's definitely on the list. And I, I think it probably is going to happen next year, honestly. I'm really looking forward to it because, man, you guys just look like you have a ton of stuff that goes on up there. We grow each year, that is for sure. It seems like every year we have a new edition of some sort. Um, I will say this. It does seem like our show is pretty underrated compared to, like, other shows. Like, yeah, they've heard of us, and, yeah, they always mean to come out, but once they get here, they realize what we actually have going on, and it's quite spectacular. I haven't heard of one person saying this whole trip was a disappointment. Yeah, it's really, really well-rounded. They've got... I mean, they've got a little bit of everything for everybody. I mean, all the way down to like, there's like some army stuff back behind the one shed there. And like there's, well, and yeah, a really big part of it, which isn't really steam related for the most part. Sometimes you guys make it that way, but the, the rock and dirt show, they've got like a whole nother section of the showgrounds, which is all rock and dirt stuff. And it's all antique dirt moving equipment. They've got drag lines, they've got scraper, belly scrapers, they've got graders, they've got, old dozers and all sorts of stuff. And I, I tell you what, they, there's more action back there than there is up in the steam area. Them guys are just moving dirt all day long. And yeah, uh, they don't, but they don't stop. No. Is that something really cool aspect to that show? Is that something that's always been partake there? Or is that something that came in the past few years or just something that's always been part of the show? I couldn't tell you. The exact year that it started, it was in probably the uh, 2004 or five, something like that. We uh, always had construction equipment exhibited there, but never really a spot to actually play at, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, but now they got a location in the north end of the park where it used to actually be uh, crops like uh, we'd have have a wheat field there for threshing. And then we uh, plow it down and use it as a parking lot. But then the opportunity came to lease out the field across from the park and use that as a parking lot and expand that area as its own uh, construction equipment exhibit. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, if anything has grown over the years, that you're, we're talking about like 50 times since it started. We've had like 13 pieces or so donated to us since a year of like 20, oh gosh, the year that we co- featured uh, Caterpillar, the, we had the actual construction uh, club uh-huh. come out, and I think I can't remember the year. That was also the year of the 50th anniversary for the steam locomotive. I think it was 2015. Okay. 
yeah, since then we've had like 15 or so pieces donate to the club because they were so impressed with the exhibit. Sure, sure. It takes everything to make these shows, and, and uh, I really like this, the construction equipment stuff. It's always been kind of a, a part of me and my family and growing up and all that kind of stuff, so I like to see it at the shows a lot. Yeah, fix your digger. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's where it all started. Oh, I love that T-shirt. I love that T-shirt. <laughs> do you guys still do that, Chris? No, we haven't done that for a lot of years. That was kind of the old website that was involved with the company uh, kind of early on of the Internet days, I guess I should say. Because that's that's what my dad and grandpa did was uh, worked on heavy equipment and all that kind of stuff and way before all the steam engine stuff. So that was kind of the the website that was being used, but that's that's since been kind of the, by the wayside and kind of switched to the CES repair and restoration that way and to kind of the, the new name for it. But I think a lot of people miss the, the fixture digger there. You need to bring back the throwback, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really we, do. We've, we've talked about that, you know, or like the a lot of people, you know, we had the Keep Calm, Keep Calm Steam On t-shirt for a long time. Lots of people, it seems like a lot of people had those shirts, and uh, it wasn't a very uncommon thing for me to get a Snapchat of all you guys at shows and you all had the same T-shirt on that day or whatever, you know. <laughs> I never got one, so I'm very disappointed. Well, you know, man, I don't know if there's any still left or not. I used to have some in my dresser drawer forever that I just, uh, they were tucked away, you know, and stuff like that. But we, that may be another shirt we have to bring back. But, yeah, Jake, as you were saying, with the construction exhibit, not really steam-related, well, it is now. Yeah, yeah, it is now, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I'm sure a, you can tell me why. Yeah, that's a awesome, awesome restoration on that piece. Uh, I actually haven't been back to your show since it's been there, though. Although I did see it over in uh, Mike's shop the year before when it was almost done. Uh, and Clayton, you're going to have to fill everybody in because I don't remember what kind or size or any of that kind of stuff. But... Now, all of a sudden, you're going to catch Chris's attention with it. Yeah, I was just pushing you to the spotlight because uh, you haven't been to our show in actually that long. <laughs> I know, I know. I knew I was going to get called out on that, too. Well, I know for a so, long time, he really, the guy that owns that, was posting stuff all over Facebook. And, man, that kept me hooked for a long time looking at that stuff. I mean, he did a ton of work there. Yeah, it was ground up. And I tell you what, if you were to see the shop that he did in, he was building a ship in the bottle. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. You look at this thing, and then you look at his shop, and you'd be amazed. Like, how the heck did he manage all this? Sure. When I say ground up, I mean ground up. It is a 40. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, we got to tell everybody what it is. (laughs) <laughs> so it is a 41B Bucyrus Steam Dragline. I could not tell you the year. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt because I feel like I'd probably uh, piss someone off. But anywho, uh, Mike Ferguson is the man that uh, bought it, brought it back from uh, Canada, and spent 20 years restoring it 20 years and like i said ground up 
And I tell you what, there is not a more fine restoration done anywhere on anything. And I'm, I'm not being biased at all. Oh, okay, maybe a tad bit, but you just got to see it for yourself. Well, yeah, I mean, watching the, the Facebook post over the years of him doing stuff, I mean, man, it just doesn't seem like he left anything unturned or untouched at all. I mean, just went to the most extravagant of everything to just fix it and bring it back up to spec, you know? Yeah, when you take 20 years, I mean, at that point, what's the rush? Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it was uh, like the day before the show was – the actual first fire up and run of everything on under its own steam. Like he's had the boiler steamed up and he's run the crowd engines and all that before, uh-huh. but to have everything working together, you know, actually send a seat and work all the controls. He did that the, for the first time ever the day before the show, this was two years ago when we featured steam powered equipment and that was the main feature. So there was a little bit of pressure to get it done. Well, he literally took it to the wire, and by golly, if everything, if you were to tell me that there was something wrong with it, then I wouldn't believe you, because none of us could find anything wrong. He couldn't find anything wrong. Sure, stuff was tight and whatnot, and you probably had to follow some stuff up, but as far as red flags or red tags, there was none. Mm-hmm. And the thing after all that, and... Like, precise, I just can't explain it. Like, how the heck do you get everything right on the money the very first try? Sure. There's a lot going on on them things. I mean, I've just been kind of very smallly versed in them with this one that ended up at the shop there. And, I mean, there's three steam engines on the dang thing, you know? I mean, and not to mention between that and the boiler and all the piping and the way the steam lines get to the three different engines and all that stuff. I mean, there is a ton going on there. Lots of integral moving parts. And it didn't take him but another day, and he's already uh, working it like it was done back in the day on the job site. Mm-hmm. Like, Mike is a guy that is very familiar with anything construction-related. That's what he does for a living. And so it all came natural, just going from diesel or electric back to steam and he got it all figured out and it's running like it should sure that's even more amazing like there was absolutely zero wrong with it yeah and he he did not stop the the entire the entire show every time we made a round he was going and going and going did uh how how did he get that back to the uh the rock and dirt section there did he did he drive it like, did he track it all the way back there from his place, or did they, like, kind of disassemble it a little bit and haul it across there? We, uh, B, uh, disassembled it a little bit and uh, got uh, it trucked over. It, it was Is able it... to run. It was able to run. He would just have an air compressor next to it on wheels, but he didn't want. Oh, I see. He didn't want to cradle all the buildings and whatnot. It's not exactly a straight shot. Yeah. Yep. Is uh. Is it back there still, or did he take it back across over to his place? No, it, we got a permanent building that was built specifically for that, and it's uh, currently oh, okay. in there. Miraculously, it's actually able to fit in there. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. They're quite yeah. the behemoths. Yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> 
So, I've never been in a hotter hotter cab before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they probably weren't that bad to run in the wintertime. It's the summertime. It was probably pretty miserable. <laughs> right. I don't know how they did it. So tell us a little bit uh, why we're talking about the construction equipment stuff. Ta- tell us a little bit more about the other steam-powered kind of construction equipment stuff that's there. Uh, as far as uh, steam-powered construction equipment, uh, it was that same year we had uh, the Northern Illinois Steam Power Club's uh, steam shovel there as part of the feature. Mm-hmm. But that was just a one-time deal. Uh, other than that, there ain't much uh, steam power that goes over there unless an engine uh, from the engine row uh, uh, goes over to pull the roll grader. Sure, sure. Yeah, we got, I always make sure to make a trip over there. I mean, it's like a power eater for plowing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, grading, grading's a lot of fun. And back Very there on that dirt, you can, yeah, you put that uh, that blade back there, that's kind of softer dirt, and, and it's turned over 15,000 times during the weekend. But you can put that blade way down, and you're pushing a lot of dirt instead of just skimming the top like we do down to your place. Uh, you can really get the, the dirt pile pushed up in front of that. It's a lot of fun. But to answer your guys' question, I mean, yeah, we got way more than just construction. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big exhibit at our show, but shoot, we got the Steam Powell driver. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's quite yeah, the impressive. I, I guess I have to ask because I've just seen all the videos, but I mean, you guys uh, drive logs in for piling basically, right? Exactly like you said, yep. Yeah, and you guys just, they just stay there. I mean, so you guys move the pile driver and just leave the log in the ground and go to a new place each time, right? Yeah, if you were to ever come here, you'd literally be standing around uh, pre-pounded logs for like 40-some years. Sure, sure. Like stacked on top of each other. So them things are like down to the earth's crust. Yeah. To the decor. (laughs) To the decor. Yeah. It just keeps yeah, on going. One day there's going to be a volcano there, and we're going to know why, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> or oil. Yeah, or oil. There you go. I'm sure there's Chinamen that build houses on those log foundations. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a, a little bit more about that thing. Well, I'll tell you as much as I can. Uh, I believe it's... Uh, uh, it's Okay, so uh, your guys... At Mason, it's pretty much the same engine and same boiler as the steam crane, but yeah, just, yeah. A tad more, just a tad smaller. Yep, yep. Wasn't uh, the one at Mason made for driving pilings originally, too? Yeah, it had the two, it had two attachments. It had the, the crane, and then it had the uh, a pile driver attachment yeah, also. Yeah, yeah. And, man, when we got that thing donated, and I'm stealing your story for us half a second when we got that thing donated to us uh that got the the pile driver attachment they left it there and it scrapped it oh really like it was yeah it was with it but yeah there was uh that was with it but and to think about it now man i don't know if that would i don't know where that would have gone or how we would have made that a part of the show because it's such a big part of the sawmill operation now uh but anyways it would have been cool to to keep that but yeah man it got scrapped yeah yeah well and something and i and i don't want to steal clayton's uh glory here talking about uh <laughs> rock river but didn't at one time you told me that they used to drive that thing through the parade every year yeah yeah, yeah they did that'd be awesome yeah they used to <laughs> really? track it through 
Yeah, they used to like several years in a row, and then they broke. I broke one of the chains or something, something to do with the the drive on the thing. They they broke it, so they've they've parked it and uh, they'll still move it like back and forth a uh-huh. little bit there on the on the pad. But they uh, yeah they don't do the parade route anymore. But yeah, I actually used to sit like at the show and go down to the uh, to the sawmill there and load logs all weekend, and then it actually used to sit up by that one tall water tower up by the. Oh uh, yeah, bar there. Uh-huh. So they, I mean, they would track it back and forth there, you know, before the show and after the show every year, uh-huh. and then and then drive it through the parade. Yeah, that that would have been pretty cool to see. Yeah, I think there's some video be? somewhere. Uh, it's really slow. I think there's, I think there's video of it somewhere. I just, it's not on YouTube. I think somebody's got like a home video of it somewhere that I've seen. Uh, I've drawn a blank. I'm, I know I've seen videos of it. This was, I would have been around, but I wouldn't have remembered any of it. But has it happened? How long ago was that donated to the club, Jakers? Man, uh, probably in the 80s. Remember somewhere in the 80s, Clayton? I don't actually remember the date of that. Isn't it on the board? There's pictures. Oh, it might be on the board. Uh, yeah, like I've never watched of it. Read the board. I've never read it either. <laughs> That's terrible. That's terrible. I've never actually read it too. <laughs> I, I can't think much. I haven't read the board for the power driver in many years either. Probably, I, I probably couldn't read at the time that I did decide to. <laughs> I know it was not five years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, so then also I assume you guys, you know, I know that you have uh, steam engines there on the show and, and prairie tractors and all that kind of stuff. So all that's pretty integral into the show, sawmill and thrashing and all that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. So where did all, I mean, obviously you grew up around there with your uh, dad taking care of the place and one thing and another, but uh, where did the where did the steam bug really bite you at, Clayton, or when did you really uh, kind of take off with it? So like I said, I was, born and bred into it uh i wouldn't say i was forced into it but just automatically i grew a liking to like thomas the tank engine or the little engine that could yeah simple stuff like that oh yeah and i wouldn't say i was breastfed into it but it was definitely implied because (laughs) that was that was definitely my dad's love uh when he was a kid like uh it was all trains, 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 trains. Uh-huh. It wasn't steam engines. It was trains. Sure. If I if I may, I'll just go back to like 1911 now, right? Sure. Yeah. Have yeah. Yeah. So Bill Baxter, he was my great, great, great grandfather. And he came from a very rich uh, farming background. And uh, that was in uh, Rochelle, Illinois. And he pretty much uh, pretty much took care of all the uh, helped out all the farmers in the area and whatnot. I mean that was a very big uh, wheat area back in the day, Rochelle, the uh, Calb area. And my uh, great great grandfather married into that family. Uh, Charlie Hendrickson was his name, uh, and he uh, grew. I guess I have permission from the family. He grew up dirt poor, but uh, was a very, very hard worker and 
kind of, you know, uses Hendrickson charm a little bit to marry, uh, oh, what's her name? But anywho, uh, she was a Baxter, and he was kind of willing to help out with the Baxter family farm. So they bought a 1911 20-horsepower Altman Taylor along with a war wagon and a separator for, I believe, $3,000 brand new. And so they uh, had their own threshing ring. So it was just them taking care of uh, how many farms around the area. I couldn't even tell you. I and mean, we're talking miles and miles of acres. But uh, they would uh, – that was pretty much an all-year-round process. Uh, also did silo filling and whatnot. They worked with that Altman Taylor for all the way up to the war and unfortunately it got scrapped for effort and we've yet to find any pictures or anything but we do have the original receipts from when the deal was made and looking through all that i mean records of the actual uh of uh the actual uh, uh work days and such like how many bushel and uh how many hours blah 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 mm-hmm. And I just found out about this like eight years ago that we had all that paperwork. And it wasn't until like 2020 when I was, when I couldn't really go anywhere or do anything. And uh, I go through the basement and there I found them. And I was able to take pictures and whatnot, but I can't just knowing that my family actually had ancestors or had uh, the steam fever back then, Mm -hmm. Uh, it wouldn't be a fever. It was trying to run a business, but just to think, you know, and all this time I thought it was just my dad that fell in love with them and uh, grew into it with me. And I love hearing, yeah, you just got to love hearing stories like that. Yeah, I think uh, really brings it in full circle that way when it's in your family like that, which isn't the case for us. I mean, we just, you know, got in the hobby in the 70s, you know, my grandpa did. Uh, but you know, there's just kind of that select, uh, few people that actually have it that far back in their lineage. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, Jakers, you guys had a threshing ring, correct? Uh, we didn't necessarily own it, but my grandpa run around on the local threshing ring that thrashed our farm. So he gotcha. ran around gath- gathering water and pitching bundles and stuff, but not, it wasn't necessarily yeah. ours, but yeah. Yep. I was kind of surprised to hear uh, Altman Taylor there that when you learned that in 2020 that you haven't bought one since then or anything like that. Well, they're all spoken for, you know. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it was last year's uh, show at Mason, and I got to run the sawmill on uh, Scott Somerville's 20 Altman Taylor that came from Renda's. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the second time in my life that I've actually uh, run an Altman Taylor, but it was the first time I ever ran one on the belt. And not to get wishy-washy here or anything, but I definitely felt the connection there. Like, <laughs> I can see why they would have chosen Altman Taylor. This is such a nice engine. That they are. I can attest to that. I I like advanced engines, and that's how I'll take those to my grades. But my, my second choice on a steam engine, if I could choose anything, would be an Altman Taylor. They are a nice running engine. Yes, they certainly are, and they look nice, too. Yeah, they're proportioned really well. I really like the big crank disc on them. Now, I don't know. Uh, 1911, you, you have any idea if that would have been uh, 
like the earlier style with the straight horizontal lugs? Uh, I don't know about the lug part of it. That one, that might have been about the time where they transitioned, though, from that small crank disc to the uh, to the big crank disc. And I don't know either what year they changed from the like the steel uh, tin stack with a the bell up on top to the uh, cast iron stack. I don't know what year yeah. they, they transitioned that either. Yeah, I. I definitely love Allman Taylors and would love to own one one day myself just for the feel of bringing one back into the family. Eh, who knows? Who knows? You, you never know. You never know. You never know. But anyway, to continue my story, uh, uh, the family farm did keep going and kept going and kept going. Uh, it turned to, uh, in like the mid to late thirties, uh, my great grandfather, uh, uh, his choice of farm tractors was cases. And uh, we had an L case in the family that we actually still have today. I think it was an LA case of some sort. Uh, yeah, it, it was a while since I've heard that. But with those farmed, uh, those farmed for uh, quite, quite a few many years after that. And up to probably 1953 or, or not 53. Uh, yeah, I really don't know. It, it was after... Just after the war, I think, like, that's when the economy hit, and I think we just had to call it quits. Sure. Mm. But we still kept the L case. We still got it in my dad's shop, and we're going to get it running one of these days. I mean, that's the only farm tractor we actually own. So I'm like, eh, okay, it's family. It's all making an exception. <laughs> you got to keep it around yep. like that. Yep. Yeah. It still has its work clothes. It's got the drawbar worn down to the brim. So you know it works the farm. Sure. And our family still has a farm. It just turned into a crop dust and outfit still by our family. Okay. Yeah. And then going all the way up to when my dad was born, uh, he was instantly bit by the steam bug. He uh, got taken to the threshery uh, ever since he was uh, born, and he fell in love with the train. It was all the train. He loved the train. Well, nothing in life but the train. And uh, it wasn't until, like, he was three, or maybe five or six years old, they move in the house that was right next door to Walt Durst, who was one of the founding members of the Threshery, and he's also responsible for bringing the Rock River Cannonball, our steam locomotive for the club, to uh, the club. That was brought over from uh, Munich, Germany in 19... 19- 1963. Really? Yeah. Uh, what, that came directly out of Walt's pocket, the entire bit of it. He was one of the main purveyors of uh, making the threshery what it is today. He spent, he, he donated so much to the club just because he had a vision. And that's how a lot of clubs started, you know. Uh, people that just had visions of making paradise for these collectors and or people that want to play yep yeah that's how i yeah. started i had no idea that it came from all the way over there i i don't know a ton about trains and but i knew that that was kind of different than what i was used to seeing when i've seen it in pictures and kind of smaller maybe in a way and i'm sure you could elaborate on that a little bit but i had no idea that it came all the way from germany 
Yep, Munich, Germany. There was a broker in uh, Iowa, uh, uh, Valish, if that name sounds familiar. Uh, he was kind of over uh, by Waterloo area, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, he was the one that kind of had a connection for some that were taken out of service, but still there, not scrapped. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of selling them out to whoever. And uh, Walt found that one. And got it over to the park. Uh, the very first year it was there, it just uh, took, gave rides and ran on 50 foot of track. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he took it to his shop, which was next to, uh, which is of course next to uh, my uh, father's house at the time when he was a kid. And he, uh, well, I should say, he Americanized it because it was a saddle uh, switch engine. Okay. Yeah, it's just an 040 uh, German Henschel uh, mm-hmm. switch engine, and it was made to burn coke. Oh, okay. So, yep, so uh, 99 inch and a half tubes, and yeah, and about a 5 eighths thick uh, rear tube sheet. Really? Yeah, those Germans did not mess around. Don't those tubes, so, like, have a, f- a flare to them, too, or something? They did. They did. They, they did. had like a, they had like a quarter inch uh, flared on the rear on the rear side. Yeah. So they don't were, ask me they why. Were, they were smaller Sweat. at the back. Yeah, smaller Sweat. at the back than they were in the front. Yes. Yeah, so you can imagine yeah. uh, pulsing tubes there. Yeah. Yeah. Because hmm. <laughs> yeah, you got the concept. Pulse your tubes. You got the pulse your tubes there. So that thing uh, got put in service then after that and, and, you know, built more track and all that. It sounds like it's just kind of a pretty big spot in your show now. It, I tell you what, it's the main attraction. It's second to the gate and money. It is 100% the biggest attraction there. The, the line to get on that train all day long is mind-blowing. Like it's it's about four rounds long, like four car or four yeah. four people or yeah, you know, like four rounds mm-hmm. actually actually staying in line all day, especially on Saturday and Sunday. It's unbelievable. It's the people that come to ride that happen. train is crazy. It's it's crazy, and it, there's a grade uh, I guess coming from the the north of the showgrounds back back up into where their little train station thing is there. Uh, there's a grade up there that kind of goes through the woods and man, that little locomotive give her some throttle there. And man, she just hollers coming up the, the grade there with the, uh, the cars full of all them people. It's got a really nice voice on it. Yeah. It's a 4% grade, which in reality is a lot. And yeah, for yeah. that little thing, it, I mean, it's literally, that's literally all it's got. It's just perfect. You gotta be right up there on scene. Working, yeah, mile working and a pretty good with all them pick people on there, I'm sure, too. Yeah, it's <laughs> it interesting. <laughs> so, uh, what kind of, you know, I assume your dad just kind of, you know, stuck around the train then after that. Was he involved in the show right after that or involved with the, the working on the train then? Or how did that go from there? Yeah, again, back to the story. Uh, he, uh, he uh, thought, okay, backing up a little bit, Walt also built our uh, half-scale case. Okay. Yeah, he 
And so he had that running uh, one day when my dad was real little. And he heard that whistle. He went right out of his room, got got right outside. And uh, my grandma, his mom, introduced him. And she was the bookkeeper for his uh, foundry. Walt Durst was, uh, was a foundry man. And that was his shop. And so he uh, ha- also had a machine shop as well. That's where he built the half-skill uh, K-Steam engine and also did work on the locomotive to make it Americanized, uh, such as making a cow catcher, a tender, and a couple cars. And then uh, that was taken to uh, the uh, grounds right after that. It's been there ever since. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, those two engines is what my dad grew up on, the Haskell case and the Rock River Cannonball. And he's been – he has been involved with both of those ever since then. I mean, he we're talking he was like six, seven years old, and he did not stop one time. Yeah, throughout the years, uh, my dad, yeah, he uh, – he was uh, as much a part of the club as really anyone. And I'm, I may be biased, yeah, but he grew up with all the originals of the show, the men who actually built the club, uh, what it is today, like Mark, Marv Helgeson, uh, Dwayne Richards, uh, Francis Reiner. I mean, the, the list goes on. There are so many peop- charter members that are given a lot of credit for making the show what it is today. And dad was right there with all of them at a young age. And when they all got old, he heard the stories. He uh, got all the, all the backstories, whatnot. Uh, you guys really need to get him on this show one time. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as far as, as far as history in Wisconsin or the park, whatever, I mean, everywhere in Wisconsin engines, all that he's heard it all. Yeah. Most yeah. knowledgeable man. we know. And uh, when Walt passed away in 1993, I was one year old. Uh, the little engine was given to Dad. Uh, literally, I think it was a visitation, and the widow of Walt said, "The little engine's yours. Just take it." Mm-hmm. And so that was my dad's first engine, mm-hmm. and that's what I grew up on. I was, however, young when I took my first ride, and obviously, I was a little scared of it, but. It's not like I avoided it. I just had to cover my ears with the whistle and such. Yeah. I mean, not all kids are born and bred into being, like, bulletproof to that stuff. Oh, sure. And so I I grew up running that little half scale, and it wasn't until 2001 at our show, and we were featuring Case. We had actually had uh, Case Heritage out here for the feature. Mm-hmm. And that was by far our biggest attendance ever Four perfect days of weather. And we had maybe like 15, 16 K steam engines, whatnot as our feature mm-hmm. or the feature. It, one of our biggest turnouts ever. And Rory Esch of, uh, Franksville, Wisconsin. Uh, he had his 80 case there. That was the very first big engine that I ever well, full-size engine that I ever ran. And ever since then, I was hooked. Because I spent all these years on a half scale. Sure. And never got a taste. And it was easy. It was actually easy because that little engine is geared so high, it's very jumpy. And so you learn on that, you can drive anything. 
Yeah, really, uh, everything's amplified on a half scale. I feel like everything between firing and running it and all that kind of stuff. It's it's not like you. I think a lot of people think it might be easier, but I, that's not really the case at all. We were I was kind of the same way growing up. Uh, we had our models out a lot. Uh, I was probably man, I don't know, 13, 14 years old before we ever got our big engines out again. They'd been sitting in the shed, and you know, and that was kind of my first comment about it too. Is like, man, these big engines are kind of easier to you know run around and do stuff with easier to fire for dang sure you know and uh i don't know it, i i kind of put it a little bit to blame of why we haven't had our half size out as much you know in the past 10 15 years because of that a little bit yeah what do you got for models chris uh we've got a half well two half size reeves and a, and then a freelance engine that my dad had built and that little freelance uh Haston St. Clair had kind of, he would sell you the castings and whatnot. He called it two fists. It's, it's smaller than a half size, but a lot bigger than a third size. It's a nice little, just single cylinder engine with a marsh valve gear that my dad had built in the early eighties. And man, I ran that thing around a bunch when I was a kid. Uh, and then we got big engines out and started taking the shows again. And it's all kind of downhill since then. I could probably count on both my hands, how many times I've had them out since I was probably 13 or 14 years old, honestly. Gotcha. Did you have any of those at the Antique Acres uh, show? Yeah, we had our half-scale 16-horse Reeves there. Gotcha. I think that might have been one of the first times I ever met you. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the first time that I'd met you in person was up there at that show. It's hard looking back now. I don't remember how many years ago that's been. That's been at least 10 years ago or more now. Oh, man. Yeah, maybe not that long. Seven or eight. I don't know. I can look back at my Facebook memories. You're... Jakers, you're steering for me on the Greyhound. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> and then you you yeah. and me run uh, uh, Warren Bellinger's 16 Advance on the uh, on the dyno that day, too. Yeah, that, or was it the 22? Uh, that was the 16. There's a there's actually a video of it, of you and me on the engine, on the power reader on, uh, uh, on, on YouTube. Oh, great. That was a Ooh, yeah. really fun show. There was a lot of people there. It seemed like Warren did a great job kind of talking to everybody and getting everybody to bring their models and then everybody else coming to the show and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was – I mean, it's one that I put down and kind of in my memory bank of, you know, monumental things of how many people were there and who all was there and all that kind of stuff. I mean, just from all over the place. Yeah, the 50th anniversary, I think it was. He yeah, wanted 25 yeah. full-size, 25 models. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a spectacular show. So you went, uh, had your guys half size, and then eventually you got a full size engine, right? So, yeah, leading up to that, uh, ever since I ran that 80 case, I was hooked on big engines. Like, I did not step one more foot on that half scale, according to my dad, after I did that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was. Oh, gosh. It was Sycamore, uh, Northern Illinois Steam Power Club. Uh, Sycamore, Illinois, we go we go every year. That's one of our go-tos. Um, it was 2002, and Rick Heisler at the time had a 28 Minneapolis. Um, and that, I got to... I, I got to ride and drive that one around, and that's pretty much where my love for Minneapolis uh, started. And I tell you what, I've never been on a 
more memorable engine. That thing was just an all-around power horse, and just the looks of them and whatnot. It was something different, and I was I was hooked from that point on. And then uh, it was later that fall, uh, Bruce Benerson. Uh, he he's a longtime member at both Sycamore and our show, a longtime exhibitor for both. Uh, he had a the twenty horse Minneapolis. Uh, parked in uh, his uh, shed, but he always had a threshing day, and he was he had out his uh, ten horse uh, Nichols and Shepherd, uh, nicknamed Agnes. Uh, that was uh, the auction for all that was in 2016. I'm sure uh, a lot of people uh, remember that. It was a beautifully uh, painted up ten horse Nichols uh, built in 1895 or so, but it had a brand new Augie Auto, Augie Auto boiler. Uh, made for it in the 60s and so uh, he would uh, fire that engine up and have a threshing day he had a nice big uh, wooden separator and yeah we thresh all day long but I spent that day playing on that 20 horse Minneapolis uh, in the shop just you know like Yeah, you know, just uh, playing pirate ship for some kids, but on a steam engine, you know? <laughs> yep. I, I wanted a big engine so badly. And little did I know, uh, Dad actually had that engine bought when I was playing on that. Oh, really? Yeah. But I didn't receive it until Christmas of 2002. So on Christmas Day, I mean, this was... Besides the, besides all of that, it was a really good Christmas to begin with. I couldn't remember uh, what I had the forest presents, but my, I also received a PlayStation Two at that same Christmas, <laughs> and that's what I wanted. <laughs> oh man, I put the miles on that thing, and it wasn't an hour later I got out of the box and I started playing with it, and my dad comes in to my room and say, "Hold up, there's one more present for you." You're kidding me. And so I put on my coat, all that, and they told me, now we're going to do a scavenger hunt. And so I go uh, next to the restrooms, and uh, I open up a box, and it's a pair of bib overalls. And I'm like, oh, yeah, gee, thanks, because I wasn't a bib guy back then. (laughs) And... uh, then I get further down the line, I see another box. I open up, oh, man, this is heavy. And it was a one-inch uh, or a three-inch Pemberley uh, one-note whistle. I'm like, wow, now all I need is a steam engine to go with this. <laughs> and I get around the corner of this shed at the threshery, and there it is, wrapped in a banner and a bow. And it said, Merry Christmas, Clayton. And our buddy, uh, Ron Finster, was videotaping my reaction. And I didn't know how to react. I mean, literally, just in shock. I was 10 years old at the time. It's like, my life is fulfilled now. And But if it, I don't ever want to show the results of that videotape because it's quite embarrassing my actual reaction but <laughs> you sure you don't want to send it to us and we can post it say, on yeah. the page there or something really. i don't even know if i could find it honestly but i remember that day so well i 
I don't cry very often, like as far as happy tears, but that was definitely one of those moments. Sure. Caught you pretty off guard, by the way, it sounds. It, it really off guard. Like, I never knew that we could ever be in the market because I was old enough to know, like, the prices of these things and whatnot. And especially this one. I mean, this engine, Dad always said if there was ever an engine, I, a full-size engine, I'd buy it, be that one. Because the boiler was immaculate. And everything else mechanically was immaculate. Bruce Denerson, he he treated all of his tractors like they were gems. And very, very, very fortunate. Bruce made it available. The way that whole deal came was uh, Dad was trying to... Uh, he heard rumor that the 28 Mini at Sycamore was for sale. And he tried to make a deal. And the deal... He actually made a counter offer. Uh, Rick did, and he said, I'll trade you the uh, mini and an eight-bottom John Deere plow for that half scale. And Dad's like, I can't. I can't. Because the price for the engine was just too far out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, so, yeah. Yeah. and so then after he walked away, Bruce caught wind of that, and he said, I hear you're looking for an engine. And Dad said, yeah. Well, how you feel about the 20 Minneapolis? He says, how much you want? He said, I'll make you a deal. Have you told anyone? Nope, you're the first one. Don't tell anyone. I want to buy it. And so that's how that all happened. And looking back, I mean, it's like, you know, you don't see too many people like Bruce anymore. Like, I mean, yeah, you're occasional and whatnot, but he made it available. I mean, he knew what he could get out of it, but sure. he just had he just had a lot, and he knew I had a fiery passion for it, and so that's that's things you'll never forget. He wanted a home yeah. for it more than he wanted the the money for it. That's for sure. how some people are about it, anyways, when they go to sell their things, and that's yeah. that's great. Yeah, he, he knew it would go to a good home, and I'm sure that's how a lot of collectors are. They just want it to go to a good home instead of someone that will just beat the hell out of it or flip it, you know? Sure. Yeah. Or have it stand yeah. in the row and just rot. Yeah, that, uh, you know, for, for some people like yourself there, that's uh, the great story that goes behind it, and you'll remember that forever. And, and I'm sure that maybe one day if it ever comes down to time for you to get rid of something, you'll probably might think about going about it the same way. I wouldn't dream about it any less. I mean, obviously money is nothing compared to seeing a legacy. Sure. Yep. So you got the engine there and was it immediate getting to play with it or did you have to do some work to it beforehand or? We didn't have to do squat to it. We fired it up that June uh-huh. and there, there's pictures of me running it. I'm standing on a, on a wash tub because I couldn't see over the controls. Yeah, you would have been pretty short back then. I was okay, but we all know Minneapolis is the the actual view you can see is kind of limited, especially with that head tank. Sure. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I must have made, like, maybe 50 rounds that first day. I was having the time of my life. Kind of like Dylan with his case, like, you can't believe this has happened. Kind of have to sit back and pinch yourself there for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. No, that that's good stuff. It uh, 
Man, I it's it's it was interesting to hear about your lineage there and how it all started and and all that. It, uh, I, I really think that's neat. I personally don't have that in my family, like I mentioned before, but I think that's neat to hear about it. And it uh, and that's just something that's really for some families is going to go by for the wayside. That that's not going to be you know that that amount of people are just going to get less and less. Yeah, yeah. That can sit there and say that you know. Yeah, you can't look at the hobby or the preservation, as I like to call it, as a money maker. Oh no, no. We're right. preserving history here. It's got to be passed on. Sure. Yep. So that's why I don't understand the big prices for all these equipments. Yeah, the market is high and whatnot, but why worry about money? And obviously, if you put a lot of work into it, it would be kind of a bummer to not get some of it back. I've never sold an engine, so I don't know. But I look at it as a legacy, like we're preserving a great hobby here. Sure. I, you know, I get yeah. people ask me that all the time as they call up uh, wanting boiler work or restoration work or whatever. And, I mean, the bottom line is it's, it costs money. And and people ask, okay, if I if I build a boiler for this and, and we restore this and one thing or another, like, is it going to be worth that in the end? And I said, man, I said, if that's what you're worried about, then you're talking about doing the wrong thing, honestly, because the people yeah. that do this, they do it because they want to do it. They do it because it's an engine they want to see fixed. It's an engine they want to pass down or whatever. People are not restoring steam engines for the money factor. Nope. And, and that's all there is to it. It's not possible. No, it, it, it's it's honestly, I don't think it's a reality at all. And honestly, a boilermaker probably doesn't make all that much either if you're considering cost of material and codes, all that, and the time, of course. Sure. I mean, that's definitely a conversation for another date. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think some people do kind of look back and say that maybe a person like myself makes killer money and all that kind of stuff. And I think I'll be the first one to tell you, it's just a lot of work It is a ton of work, uh, to do it, uh, very time consuming and materials have gotten higher and staying competitive in the business and all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a lot of work. That's all there is to it. So I, we once found a letter from Augie Otto. He was a boiler maker in uh, Sandwich, Illinois. He's the one that built the boiler for our Haskell case and uh, I believe eight others. And then uh, a couple other boilers, including a locomotive at the Sandwich Fair. Mm-hmm. And we found a letter that was written by him saying, this is going to be my last boiler I am ever going to make because I soon realized this is a hard way to go broke. <laughs> that, that, almost, that needs to be framed somewhere and put up <laughs> that's pretty good that is funny uh, so uh you know obviously you get around to the show circuit we've talked about that a little bit what uh what shows do you kind of attend every year or try to hit every year well i try to hit obviously as many as i can i have quite the work repertoire for uh, traveling long distances for different shows. And I'm always looking, uh, next year will be easier because I'm getting another week's vacation and then some from work. And, uh, obviously caretaking, uh, Rock River Threshery has a big factor in that as well. Mm-hmm. But my, I have four main shows that are always on the top of the list each and every year. Like those are priority, which is Wasion, Ohio, Mason, Michigan, Sycamore, Illinois, and of course our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, all others are just uh, 
cream on top of the cake, you know. Sure. Um, I've gone as far as uh, Pawnee, Oklahoma twice. Uh, and I, we've been to Austin, Manitoba for the Rumley feature. Um, you went I've to Rolog one year, didn't you? How did you work that with your own show? Uh, so we go for a couple days. Okay. So we'll go and see. We've gone to Rolag twice. So uh, what we do is we attend there, get there like Thursday morning, mm-hmm. like the day before the show when everything's kind of open and like three quarters of it's actually running. Sure. Yeah, good hint of it, whatnot, and then spend all Friday watching the show and whatnot. Uh, maybe a little bit uh, Saturday. It, it all depends. It was different. We left uh, Sunday morning one time and got there just in time for the parade. And then there was another time we left Saturday morning and got there just in time for the parade. It's about eight, nine hours, depending sure. on who's driving. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, Roleg, it's. I got nothing bad to say about that show. It's just enormous, but God, my feet swell up so much walking the entire grounds. Yeah, there's a lot of walking there. Which any big show, I mean, allowed or anything. Sure, I can see why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure your guys' show grounds. I mean, you said 100 and some acres. I I didn't realize it was that big uh, myself uh, there at Rock River. Um, Lots of walking to do there. I'm sure too. We do have in-park shuttles and all that, and people do bring golf carts. Mm-hmm. And I like we try not to advertise it. You know, if they bring them, they bring them, whatever. Sure. sure. But we, yeah. It's kind of you, you know, know, lots of people complain about the golf cart thing and all that kind of stuff. But really, yeah. in a way, you know, you kind of have to please the people that are coming to the show and, and make them want to come back at the same time. You know. But at the same time, Chris, like, what did people do back before golf carts? I. I 100% agree with you. I've heard that uh, argument from many people before. And, yeah, I mean, people went to these shows and, you know, some of the earlier yeah. shows in the 40s and 50s or whatever, you know. And, yeah, you weren't driving around that place. They were walking around, you know. And, uh, and they all brought lawn chairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always curious how you swung those two shows during the weekend. I never – I talked to a few people that have talked about going to uh, Rolog, Mount Pleasant, and Rock River all on the same weekend. And I'm like, man, that would be – like if you started early enough, like I think it, it's definitely doable. I mean, people have done it, you know. But man, that is a lot of driving. You know, they're not like super close to each other by any means. For We've reference, done, uh, Mount, for reference, Mount Pleasant is only five hours from us, so that part's doable. Sure. Yeah. And that's what we're going to do next year. Actually, uh, we're going to go because they start on that Thursday. Mm-hmm. Attend the first two, like maybe get there that Thursday, check it out friday and see what happens saturday but yeah get back and back in time for our show so i've never missed one full year sure. of this show I so ass- i'm being technical there yeah i assume your show runs over to monday then two to the holiday and all that i assume too right yeah and we still got a pretty decent show on the last day too uh-huh. it's not like it dies sure like right in the beginning we still got everything running and whatnot it's just after the parade, then people start loading up, you know? Yeah, yeah. End of the long weekend there. Yep. Oh, God. That's the best, honestly. Just all gathering around and just sitting down and going, ah, and then do a big cheers like another good year, fellas. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's uh, that's really what makes it in the end for a lot of these shows is just coming together as a group and putting a show on like that and, and enjoying it in the end. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's all about the partnership, the camaraderie between you and all the members and everyone that comes. It's the people, not the equipment. Yep. Well, I, I guess I couldn't say that. It's definitely the equipment that brings us all together. Uh, so should I start on the newest investment, or you got any more questions? Well, I was going yeah, to yeah, bring that up, you know, about your new acquirement there, but I didn't know if it was news you wanted to share yet, or if you had any buyer's remorse yet, or, or what was going on there. Didn't want to break the well, ice. My phone, well, my phone has certainly... Uh, found its way around the internet today and yesterday. So that, that bitch is definitely cracked open. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your recent purchase there. It is a 1914 25 horsepower Minneapolis number 7331. Uh, so the story itself is really quite simple and kind of pathetic actually. But uh, it was literally just a, it started off as just a post on face on the steam traction engine, Facebook page of a guy that's curious for what's for sale out there. And of course I'm curious too. And then uh, I always uh, like Daniel those Wy- posts just a little bit because he can be a little bit nosy and you ain't got to be the guy that actually <laughs> made the post, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, now I know I'm not the only one that thinks that. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. let's face it, Facebook has made it so easy to connect what's available out there. Sure. But uh, Daniel Wyman, he commented that he had two Minneapolis's for sale and of course, me and my bias decision, I'm a mini guy by heart. Uh, I uh, message him and ask him, well, what do you got? I've got a 20 horsepower and a 25 horsepower Minneapolis for sale. I'm like, well, can you send me some pics of that 25? And I knew, it, so a 25 is an earlier style, which with a lighter boiler, lighter casting somewhat. And so the boiler, I'm pretty sure, since I haven't seen it run or whatnot or seen anything, it's probably going to need some kind of work. I see the pictures, and the boiler is about 30% gone. Yeah, I noticed that in a few of the Facebook pictures. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, like I've never really (laughs) seen one rusted out like that. (laughs) Yeah, I send the pics to my dad, tell him what Daniel was asking for it, and he's of all people to say this, he said, that's not bad. (laughs) (laughs) Like, are you serious? We're talking about this disintegrated boiler here and you're telling me not bad. (laughs) (laughs) I think we could all sit here and say that we, sometimes we look at our dads for, you know, the little bit of acceptance or their opinion on things or whatever. And, and I know my dad has thrown me for a curveball just like that a few times, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm I'm thinking one thing and he's like, no, I think that's good, you know. Yeah, let's do that, you know. Like, what? I didn't I didn't know this was gonna go this way. So, I got thinking, got looking at the at least the gearing and the lugs and all that, mm-hmm. and like, 
and the palette of parts, like, okay, from what I can tell, everything is there. Mm-hmm. It's just a rotted out boiler. Sure. And for the price he was asking for and just the uniqueness of it. I mean, if it was another 65 case or something very common, I would have been like, eh, I'll wait for a better one to come by. But there sure. aren't many 25s per se. I mean, they're out there, but not too many, especially around this area. Yeah. I I do favor that early style engine a little bit more than a later style engine with the, you know, small crank disc and, and being all enclosed and, you know, the way the steam gauge is there at the back by the sight glass and kind of those earlier features. I've, I've always kind of leaned that way a little bit. I, I think they're a neat engine. And the little intricate designs that they put in their castings. Sure. Yeah, like around the Governor Basin stuff, mm-hmm. they got those... Uh, yeah, those plates and such. It's real, and the Roman numerals on the on top of the cylinder plates. Sure. Yep. Yeah, we've talked about the pattern makers of the day in the past on a few episodes, and it's like, you know, a part came across that guy's desk that he needed to make this pattern, and he just was bored that day or something or other, you know. But man, <laughs> many really took off with a few of those things, making things fancy and everything else, you know. It seemed like the earlier the engines, the more intricate. I mean, like center crank cases, how they had sure. that whole web design for the gear guards oh, and yeah, such. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, lots they, of yeah, accents. Just, yeah, they just slimmed down as the years went by, and they just made them look like a workhorse. Like, what the heck, you guys? Kind of like dollar bills of early American history. Like, they used to be bold and beautiful. Now they're just blah. So have you got that hauled home yet, or still got to get it back home? So... We got permission to keep it there because we're in the midst of just one of the busiest summers ever here sure. at the park and with those coming up. So we got a guy that'll haul it for us uh, uh, the weekend after Labor Day. And it actually worked out pretty good. He was actually, the hauler was actually going to be going out to Lesur that weekend for a truck show. So he was going to be bringing a semi anyway. Sure. And... Lesur's right there by Wyman's. Uh, yeah, I can't think of the name of the town at the moment, but uh, yeah, he said he'll uh, load the engine, haul it to the truck show, and be the only one with a steam engine on it, probably. <laughs> Any prize money needs to go towards the yeah. project there or something. You need to make a deal. Well, I'd like to think some of that prize money could go towards the hauling, being how outrageous <laughs> the price everything is. <laughs> sure. I, I he did say he'd cut cut a deal because he knows how crazy it is and all that. But you know what? It's got to get here some way or another. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess something we haven't talked about either, uh, if it's all right to talk about, is your Baker engine there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it was a buddy of mine and I, Jaden Ligman. He is the son of the president of uh, the Rock River Threshery. Okay. Uh, who is Todd Ligman. Uh, longtime friends, he, him and my dad go way, way, way back. And they practically took over, uh, taking care of the park, you know, as far as politics and actual labor out here. And they pretty much, they, they do a great job and they still do and always have, always will. They got great love for the club. Uh, yeah. Todd's oldest son, Jaden Ligman. Uh, he, I heard, uh, like a couple months previous that uh, this guy, Daryl Garber, who bought it from the Pat Malarkey collection of Oregon, Wisconsin, uh, he had a dozen engines. Uh, and this baker was uh, one of them. 
uh, Jakers was able to purchase an engine at <laughs> the Reeves. <laughs> Back when Jake was a Reeves man. Yeah, I was going to say, here we are again talking about my Reeves. But yeah, Pat Malarkey passed away, I believe it was uh, 2010. Uh, same year I graduated. And uh, he had a dozen engines uh, when he passed away. And uh, three, yes, three of them were uh, here at the park. And uh, they were all oper- and all three of those were operational. And uh, so they let the club members t- have first crack at them. And of course, I was fresh out of high school, didn't have a job or anything. I didn't have pockets then. And uh, the widow and um, club member, uh, Henry Gilbertson, was uh, selling off the collection. And so Daryl Garber, he's a member of our uh, Cannonball train crew, uh, he struck interest. I mean, he was never a collector or anything, but was very intrigued on uh, maybe uh, picking one up and uh, getting it going and maybe get the steam bug, but... Unfortunately, uh, nothing came about it after like uh, 10 years or such. And so he decided to sell it. Well, I caught wind of it and I'm like, huh, I have UT'd this engine uh, for another guy that was maybe interested. And I was expecting it to be like completely rotted out junk because malarkey engines didn't really have that good of a reputation. I mean, there were some good ones but most of them that have been at that property they were just outside for many many years this one specifically was outside for about 60 years mm-hmm. and maybe ran one time in that entire in that entire span and when i was ut and i was i was shocked like dad this thing actually ain't too bad because of course i take my dad everywhere when it's steam engine related oh yeah and I'm like, okay. But, of course, that was a couple of years previous. I didn't think much of it like a baker. Nah, whatever. <laughs> Wasion kind of ruined that for me, hearing them bark all the time. Not bark, thumping. They don't bark, they thump. What the hell ever. <laughs> <laughs> But then uh, the conversation came up again, and he never sold it. And he told me the price of what he wanted to sell it for, and I'm like, okay. So, And we all know Boiler is more than half of the investment. Like, as long as that's good, then you can work on everything else. Sure. And then uh, just it was around the campfire. uh, It was brought back up, and Jaden happened to be sitting right there, and he says, oh, really? And he caught me the next day, like, talking to me about it, and he sounded interested in it, too. And, you know, I wasn't going to let it go, and and I wasn't going to deny him, a young younger kid, of getting into the hobby. So I'm like, well, what do you think? You want to go half-seas on it? And he's like, I'd love to, man. So we made the deal. And so this boiler, yes. Although that was immaculate, the rest of the engine was very, 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 very well worn. There was no platform. There were the tanks were rusted right through as far as the wraps, and the um, 
the front pedestal captain was literally split right in half. So moving it was going to be a challenge. Mm -hmm. But we had the right guys with us when we went to load it and take it off and pull it into the shop and whatnot. Um, We started, we we were able to get into Mike Ferguson's shop. He's the guy that made, uh, that restored the drag line. So he was very, very, very kind and courteous to, allow us to just park the engine inside the shop there. And uh, that, of course I have my dad to thank for pulling the strings there. Cause I don't think he was a big fan of it. I still don't think he's a big fan of it. Gosh. I mean, I'm having a time of my life tearing that thing apart and rebuilding. I had to make a whole new, all new platform, which is nothing uh, short of what I do for a living anyway. And we're doing new piping as well. And, um, Mike Ferguson, uh, Nate helped or shoot. He pretty much, uh, made a brand new, uh, front pedestal casting and it's glorious. It's absolutely glorious. So one thing after another, and it's at kind of a standstill at the moment, just cause of how busy we both are, but it probably after showtime, then nothing's stopping us from firing it before uh, winter time probably hits you know we got new tank wraps put in and uh got fittings all that for the injectors and whatnot so nothing's keeping us right now i mean who needs a platform when you can just fire it up you know <laughs> worry about the little details later yeah i mean the process never ends it all depends on how far you want to go sure yeah. Unfortunately, we won't make the show this year, but I kind of knew that from, like, uh, April or so. If we don't get going on this right now, then it ain't going to happen. And sure sure as hell. But, you know, you can't rush perfection. Sure. Yeah, it's a, a neat engine. Uh, elaborate yeah, a little bit. A one- 20, 2390 light duty, which is kind of neat, I think. You know, you see a lot of heavy duties, it seems like, but you don't see a ton of the light duties. Yeah, it's just like yours, uh, Uniflow as well, mm-hmm. but it's one size bigger. And if you ask me, I've never seen one. Oh, really? Yeah, a 23 light duty uh, contractor and Uniflow. I've never seen one. I've seen a few uh, 20, 21s uh, such as yours, but mm-hmm. never 23. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, there's, I don't know less than a handful of baker engines in missouri i mean most of the baker engines i've seen has been back ohio michigan way and stuff like that i haven't seen a ton of them in person really uh yep i never once had the desire to pay attention to all the intricate details of a baker until i owned one Mm -hmm. funny how that works (laughs) there well that's i can kind of say the same is that i I guess I kind of always had the one for one. Uh, the reason we ended up with ours is because of a gentleman that really wanted to place it in a home and, and wasn't as much worried about the price and, and wanted to see the thing stay in Missouri. And, and that's how I ended up with it. And really after that was kind of the learning curve, learning about them and, and the different things about them and, and all that, which has been a ton of fun. And it's a, it's a fun engine to have out. We headed out this year and, and we'll fire it up more this year and, uh, really enjoy it quite a bit. I look forward to seeing yours done and kind of hearing your input on it too, comparing it to the other engines you've ran and all that stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. I I ran a little bit of Matt Goodman's at Wasion. That was like my first fulfillment of actually operating and running around the Baker. And 
I'll tell you what, I can see, I can kind of see why they took the throttles off of those and replaced them with ball valves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. one of the short lived things on my engine was taking the original throttle off and putting a ball valve on it. I remember, I think I was pretty positive. I was talking to Jonas about mine. I'd called him. Uh, he had some reproduction gauge faces and I didn't have an original Baker gauge at the time and uh, called him up and wanted to buy a gauge face from him so I could build up a gauge. And, you know, he kind of got to asking questions, you know, what's your serial number and what's this and what's that? And we got talking and we got talking about that throttle valve. And it was, it was kind of like we were talking with uh, about case throttle valves. I think the last episode is like, mm-hmm. he was like, ah, just take it off of there. He says, and put a ball valve on it. He says, you know, I went through one and did this to it and did that to it and just did anything and everything to it that I think that I could have done to make it the very, very best. And it wasn't any better than the day that I started on it. You know, he says, just <laughs> put the ball valve on it and be done with it, you know? So that's what I did. And, and I, it's very, it makes it easy, a lot easier to handle, put it that way. It's not like it works hard like a case throttle, but it's very hard to find that fine line between oh, yeah. going a little bit faster or going all yeah, wet. It's open yeah. or closed. Yeah. Yep. That'd be a neat engine to see you get running again and all that stuff. I, I look forward to seeing that. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you, I think, I don't remember who said it on one of the previous episodes, when you, uh, you know, have other stuff to play with. Some stuff, sometimes your stuff you're working on doesn't get worked on near as fast, you know? <laughs> yeah, really. Especially in your case, Chris. Well, yeah. Got lots <laughs> of other, it's, it's been, well, we, uh, I think since the last episode, we pulled out the case road roller, which is my dad owns, uh, part of it. And, uh, it's been really neat. I, th- I think I said, uh, on the episode, one of the episodes that we'd, bought that thing three or four years ago and uh dad and i have kind of put dates with that since then we bought that and or he bought that in 2017 and i believe that it set for three years before we started working on it it kind of got put in the lineup at the time that we had of the workload and uh i think in january of 2020 or something like that is when that engine got tore apart and now three years later it's very 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 close to getting its first fire i'm waiting on uh, some greats from cattail that hopefully will come this week and uh then we'll have the thing fired up dad actually had the thing running on air uh yesterday he uh told me about he had the thing running on air and worked the power steering back and forth we moved it around the shop there the other day and and moving that power steering with a wrench externally there wasn't much fun i'm not looking forward to that (laughs) but uh we, I, I really hope by the end of this month that uh, we'll have a I, I hope by the end of this month we have two or three or four fires in the thing uh, by that time. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun to have that out. And uh, But like I said, yeah, when there's other stuff to be working on, uh, sometimes your own stuff and, and customer stuff's getting in the way. And I got some personal projects I'd really like to get finished up over the next winter time here. Well, I may be going to you for another project, so... I may be a uh, faith to your victim. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I look forward to it. Uh, is that power steering the same as a 110 case? As far as I know, yes. Uh, I don't know that I've actually checked uh, casting numbers, uh, but I'm pretty sure, yes. I, I talked to uh, Kenny Griss about that uh, quite a bit because we needed to put uh, new lining on the power steering and trying to find the availability of kind of what the original lining was and the thickness was kind of a pain there. It's a 
they're in they're they're in a cone shape also so this lining has to go around kind of a cone and trying to find a lining that was flexible enough to do so and uh ended up finding some lining and then kenny was telling me about how they found lining and and it's thicker than the original so you have to machine the cones down to accept the the new thickness and whatnot you know but as far as i know yes they are the same as the as the 110 um and uh run off the crank just like the 110 and all that kind of stuff they did have an earlier style which i think 110s did too though had an earlier style and a late style power steering uh but yeah it was it was neat to hear that he ran that back and forth in the shop there and ran the power steering back and forth and he said it was all really quiet and i I was worried that uh i kind of get annoyed by certain rattles and whatnot and geared pumps are i'm not a fan of because of that reason and this has got a geared pump on it also and so i was we had poured new mains in the thing and, and new Babbitt for the pump and whatnot, the gears, and was kind of concerned about if the stuff was going to be quiet or what the power steering was going to sound like and all that kind of stuff. So it was nice to hear from him that he reassured me that everything was pretty quiet and all that stuff. So I'm really looking forward to getting the thing out. We're uh, I'm getting ready to build a shop up at my house to kind of work on my own hobby stuff up there, and I'm really looking forward to getting the gravel spread out around the building there and, and getting some asphalt millings hauled in there and taking that road roller up there and kind of flattening everything out and making a nice driveway there to my building with the thing. Look forward to kind of having fun with it, doing that. Putting it to work. <laughs> yeah. Something <laughs> like that. Driving around. From I guess. what I remember, from what I remember, those engines don't really have as much a range as far as RPM, right? Uh, Cause it's such a small flywheel. Yeah, so they have, they do have a smaller flywheel. So yeah, you do have to turn the thing a lot faster to run a sawmill or, or a thrashing machine or whatever. Uh, Dad and I, uh, there was always kind of the everybody says that the front wheels were flywheels. Well, that's not the case at all. Yeah, the, that's a conspiracy. I yeah, asked me about too. Yeah, you would ask me about too, and, and several people would ask me about it, and that's not the case at all. The the front wheels are much larger than a flywheel. Um, I don't remember. I'm sitting here thinking that they are like 44 inches instead of 40 inch flywheel and then the flywheel on the thing is 36 or 8 or something yeah 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 and they're just they're no they're they're completely opposite castings they're they're just not the same casting at all so yeah you do have to spin the engine quite a bit faster to kind of run that normal rpm range uh when you're pulling something that normally a 40 inch flywheel would pull so um yeah that'll be fun too is is getting able to have a road roller and run it on the thread we you know we had a two-wheel road roller in the past an iroquois five ton and, and that was neat it was different uh it was definitely a different egg and uh the one thing that kind of killed me is that all you could do is drive around in the thing you couldn't belt the thing up to anything you know so i'm kind of glad and excited <laughs> that we get to still kind of do our normal uh steam engine stuff with you know being able to saw with the thing or run the power eater or whatever you know mm-hmm. yep no, that'll it'll be a lot of fun. I hope that, like I said, by the end of this month, we have a thing fired two or three different times. We're really wanting to haul it out to McLeod, Kansas. Uh, I believe it's like the first weekend in August. They have a tractor pull out there that kind of, oh, it funds a lot of money for the actual steam show. And we're hoping to take it out there and, and uh, pack the track down for the tractor pull track uh, with the thing as kind Ooh, of an wow. expedition, you know. And then uh, have it at their show and all that kind of stuff september as well yeah just don't take it to clarksville otherwise you'll have the same salt box as uh jakers there oh yeah yeah we don't want to we don't want to cause any more problems for marv 
Hey, I'm, I'm, make, I'm making a new I'm making a new pulley right now, so I'm gonna solve my own problems. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> you might as well just cast your name right into it, pal. <laughs> yep, this is Jake's. Nobody else's. <laughs> Anyways, well, Clayton, we appreciate the visit, and this has been great as usual. Uh, as my wife will say, I say the same thing to everybody. We really appreciate you having me on, and we had a great time. But it's the truth. Uh, we we so far we have not had a bad guest, and I hope we don't ever have a bad guest. But it is uh, certainly enjoyable to hear everybody's story, and uh, especially yours there, and and uh, you know get out there for the people that may not personally know you, and getting into the hobby, and you know hearing about uh, how everybody got started in the hobby, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I I can't thank you guys enough. I mean, this was great. I've listened to every every single episode before this. I got to have something before I go on the toilet, you know. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> Makes for a long time. Well, and it's kind of, uh, as I said in the beginning there, it's the 10th episode, so it's kind of crazy that I can't believe 10, you know, it uh, seems like just yesterday. I feel like we started this and now I don't really see an end to it. I, I feel like it's a pretty normal thing now, and I don't really have any foresees of wanting to stop doing it. You know, I uh, seem to be getting plenty of feedback from everybody and keep going along here. We'll get more guests and hopefully get some old people back on and, you know, stuff like that, kind of some recaps of the summer and whatnot and go from there. Absolutely. So, and if I, if I may say, um, I, I owe... I owe everything in this preservation to my old man and a couple of our friends, uh, Jamie Stevenson and Fred Rickard Sr. And, but yeah, I could just start off with my old man, like my best friend, my, my best pal, like anytime there's anything steam related, he's right there or I'm right there and we do this stuff together and, I tell you what, there's no greater connection and other people see it like that. It's just fantastic how you and your son are into this old stuff together. It, his coworkers at work, he, t he brags about it all the time. And yeah, that's just the greatest thing I could ever, ever think be thankful for. Like I couldn't imagine doing this without him. And if oh, there's yeah. anything, I could, if there's anything else I could say to any of the listeners, like, Bring your kids into it. Bring your family into it. Bring younger kids into it because it'll mean more to them than you actually think. Oh yeah. Like I, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine any other kind of life. I mean, Jamie Stevenson was responsible for bringing us to Wastion and Mason, and of course, Mason 2002 is when you and Jake, you and I, Jakers, uh, met on that one dead Nichols and Shepherd that was for sale, and we were just playing on it, kind of like I was on mini, like almost playing pirate ship uh, with a Nichols and Shepard and our, that was 21 years ago and it's yep. turned into a lifelong friendship. And here we are right now. Yeah. We sure come a long way since that day. My goodness. And now you got, now you got a family that you're going to breed into it. And our friends got families and they're all gonna become friends and start the whole legacy back over again. That's what it's all about right there. Yeah. I, Think about it each day, man. And I wish I lived closer to where I could hang with you guys more. But that, I mean, it's a crazy preservation we do that brings us all together for sure. Yeah, you got that right. It, yeah, we all live kind of far apart, 
but it, it's kind of funny if you think about it, how often we do get to see each other. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Probably a lot more <laughs> than normal people that live this far apart do. Well, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Dad and I drove to Carver, Minnesota on Friday to look at that Minneapolis uh, there and back in one day, and I can't tell you how many miles. That was like driving to Wasion and back for me. Uh, that had to have been well over 700 miles, and I wouldn't have wanted to do it with anyone else, but at the same time, we both thought we were crazy, but we just chatted the entire time. I don't think we both looked at our phones one time. We just kept talking and talking like that's half of it right there. Oh, yeah. I'm just thankful I wasn't riding with you because I had to stop for bathroom breaks on occasion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Wrong guy for that. You'll just feel bad about it. Oh, man. Jaker's pull that hell over right now. Oh, fuck. Oh, man. Well, Clayton, we appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I guess the only thing I can say about this is Till the next PBR, bud. We'll go from there. Sounds like a plan, my man. All right. We'll talk to you later. This is Clayton Hendrickson signing off, my friends. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. See you next time.